welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm Dave Sharp, Marketing Consultant for Architects at VanityProjects.com. Today, I'm joined by John Elway. John is an architect based in Brisbane, Australia. He founded his practice in 2017 and describes it as a small practice with a love for creating places inspired by travel, memories, landscape, material, and location. His goal is to create functional and simple spaces that delight and surprise. His debut project was Terrarium House, a project for himself and his family that won a bunch of awards and got published all over the place. And he's recently been sharing a new project, Three House, which has just been featured in a short film on the Local Project YouTube channel. In my chat with John, we spoke about his relaxed, less is more approach to marketing, how it all starts with a high quality project, why and how he invests significant resources in commissioning films about each of his new projects, why he's conscious about avoiding growing too quickly, the steps he takes to get published, how he describes his projects without Archispeak, and a lot more. I hope you enjoy this episode with John Elway. I start off by asking him about how he launched his practice with Terrarium House. So, so what sort of, what sort of profile did you build? Like, I guess on social media or online, like as a personal brand while you're working with James, did you have a website? Did you have like, or like what sort of stuff were you doing to sort of get things started? Yeah, I guess I've always had a website before I did architecture. I was a graphic designer. So, um, websites were my kind of my bread and butter a lot of the time, um, when I work with Jamie, it was kind of the very early days of Instagram as well. And it was this kind of new tool. And I was like, oh, well, let's see what happens with that. So I would kind of document a lot of what we were doing. And we were building a lot as well, like half the week. So there was a lot of kind of photos on site. And that got a heap of interest and, and following to a certain extent as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of the big ones that happened was I applied for a Dulux study tour and got that. Um, I was still, I hadn't graduated even when I, when we did that. So it was kind of like, I just went for it and ended up getting it. So, um, yeah, that helped a lot. Um, so that was in 2015, right? Yes. And you guys went to Japan and this was with Nick Brunson, wasn't it? It was. And Monique and uh, Bonnie and Casey. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a a great crew. crew. Great crew. It was was Tokyo, Paris, and then London. So it was like the three awesome spots. Did you learn a lot on that Dulux tour, like getting to visit so many, you know, different architectural influences in different countries? You know, I think that we all learned a lot more about each other and what we were doing and how that was different or the same as the other group and probably less about what we were going to. And it was, Mm. it was mainly, for me, it was a big realization that, Hey, people do different stuff and that's okay, and you can all coexist. And, um, yeah, we're all really great mates now um, and still chat all the time. So, yeah, it was a great thing to do. So, so I guess coming back to this idea of, like, you kind of had, like, a bit of a – it sounds like a bit of a moving – like, a bit of a head start on on building your, like, presence before you kind of fully, you know, went out on your own with and, and launched your practice. How did, how did Terrarium House fit into – like the launch of your practice. Was that really like the point where it kind of went public for you? Yeah, it was. Um, I think, and it was it was a fairly conscious decision to make that a project to get work. So I think that 
there's probably three key ways you might get work as a new um, practitioner and it might be call on all the mates that you went to school with. Hopefully they've got plenty of cash. In my, in my case, that wasn't what it was. Um, family members <laughs> is another one. Um, or the third one's really like just plug away at it, doing a deck and then a bathroom and then a kitchen and then slowly grow. And I was like, I'm, I'm a bit older. I don't, don't have time for that slow pace. Um, <laughs> but I guess being a bit older, like, cause we were in a position to be able to get a big mortgage. So it was like, okay, let's put it all on the line and, and do a project and oh. show that, show people exactly what you want to do. So it was your house. It's our house. Yes. How did I not know this? That's it here behind. It's in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Wow, what a cool, what a cool way of doing it. So, so, and that was such a conscious decision to to be your own client at the beginning. Amazing. And, yeah. and, what so, was it like? and it means you can, yeah, you know, it's 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 a slightly harder but easier process, I guess, um, in that you can do slightly experimental things and and not have to convince. Well, I've got to convince Amber, my other half, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit easier than a bank. Yeah. Oh, well, not so much a bank, but, you know, like a, a, a client group and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, it, it was good. And we'll talk about the experience of like being a client because that's a, I'm sure you learned a lot from being in that sort of being your own client position. But kind of coming to the question of some a point that you mentioned a second ago about I, I wanted this to be a project to get work. <laughs> that was weighing on you, obviously. Um, as part of the process, um, you're thinking, Hey, I like what, what's going through your mind? Do I want this project to like really test my ideas to, to stand out to like, what, what were some of the thoughts that were, that were going through your mind back then when you were designing Terrarium House? Uh, I guess I went into it with that being the goal, but then you had to shut that off and just do the project and make it be what it is and make it work for you as a family and all those sorts of things. And so you got to kind of shut off the pressure of, will this get me work? But then when <laughs> it's done, you have to go into the mode of, okay, how am I going to promote this and, and get eyeballs on it? And um, I guess that's where if you've done a good project, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get eyeballs itself because it's a good project. Um, and I guess... Uh, that would be my main thing is like I didn't go out and um, intentionally pimp it to different mm. publications or websites and so forth. I kind of just like let it let it take its course over a period of time and didn't get stressed about, you know, it has to be out there tomorrow. And um, I mean, one of the big ones was that we didn't get it photographed for 18 months after it was finished to let the landscape establish. And you'll see that in my work is that it's all about landscape a lot of the time. So, it's you've got to leave it and be patient. Um, but I think if you if you're patient with that first project, then you've kind of you've set up the timing for the ones that follow. Um, so you can be patient for each one from that point forth. If that sort of mm. makes sense, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know that Dave, you kind of you often tell people to do the opposite. So I'm, I'm well, no, it's, <laughs> it's 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 funny because quite often the guests I have on my podcast are people that have been successful doing the opposite of what I usually recommend. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> which is you know, I don't know, I don't know if that's smart or not, but I always like to have that contrast where it's like, yeah. you know, there's more than one way of doing it, and it's not it's not just about getting out there and like pimping the project. Like if 
if somebody has done the best work they can, but they're not finding that they're getting traction from it, then like how are we going to pimp that project, right? Yeah. But but in this situation, it's like, ah, oh, there's another example and maybe there's some other element that goes into it or, or some different point of view that you have that, that, you know, you come from your background in graphic design. Like you, you're also a very internet savvy person. You're a very like design discourse savvy person and industry, you know, super aware of like the, the context around your work, like probably to so many degrees more than like the average Joe architect. So that's where I want to know kind of about some of the things that maybe subtly influence the way that you approach things, not so much like an overstated, like we better make this look super Instagram worthy. <laughs> um, I yeah. I don't think that ever ran through your head, but but there's always this sort of idea of maybe, you know, do you, when you, when, when you were developing the project at any point, were you kind of thinking about like how it sort of, how it is, how it does differentiate your work from other firms, you know, um, maybe not something that you sit down and dwell on, but it's, it's, it's got to be there that you're like, you know, I really think that these are some of the important ideas for this project beyond the needs of me as the client and living in it. But, you know, what, what's it saying about me as an architect? Surely you've got to be thinking about that a little bit, right? Oh, you know, not that much. Oh, like, you're not going to let me have it. I know. No, I'm not. <laughs> You know, it's if you can solve all the problems that you've got to solve on every project and there's a million of yeah. them and then jump through the hurdle of convincing a planner and a certifier and a builder to build what you want, yeah. you've like it's it works itself out. Yeah. Like it's it's that same thing of not designing a building from the outside but thinking about it from the inside. Like I don't really care what it looks like on the outside. It's that kind yeah. of um yeah, it I just think it takes care of itself. Yeah. Um, but at the end, you know, you, you have to do a plan of how are you going to promote this thing? Um, yeah. and I guess the first one was enter it in a few awards, right? Yeah. Um, so, and it's a kind of a similar pattern that I'm applying to other projects now is, um, kind of put it in a magazine, let them have their run, but use, use that kind of interest from that magazine um, to then kind of give it to other types of publications, website and so forth. So I'll try yeah. and like lock in a print, a website and maybe something else and, and give them, give it a kind of a timeline through the year of when those things are going to be released. Yeah. Um, keeps everyone happy because they get their own little, little bit of, bit of the kind of original bits of it. Um, we can talk more about films, I guess, where that comes into it in a bit. Oh, but, we definitely um, will for sure. Yeah. So maybe combining the two, like, cause you've, you've, you invest pretty heavily in making these amazing films when you've got a new project, like, like in general, that's, that's been your approach to house. And I just saw that the local project, like just hit YouTube like a couple of days ago and we'll, we'll chat about that. But, um, so you, you give the project time for like the landscape to develop and then you like what are the steps from there for you? What's your process? So then you organize your photographer, your videographer. Are they like the first two people that you kind of bring on board at the same time? I guess, I guess the, the steps the steps begin um, kind of straight after it's finished. Oh, actually, while it's being built, right? So mm. it's kind of putting up things on Instagram during the build process. I really enjoy that because it, it makes me yeah. like notice things and capture things and record them. You do a um, lot of that. Like you do more than most in terms of like process, like construction pro progress in It's often the most beautiful feed. time of the building as well, you know. Do you like really? Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, and and so I mean, you're also approaching it with like really good eye for photography, right? Like your pro, your I think your site visit photos. You know, you you obviously put heaps of effort into composing them really beautifully and and stuff like that, right? And I find I, mean, I find Instagram yeah. stories are really good as well, where you can do yeah. a little bit of kind of walking around tour, and then collating them all under that kind of um, those yeah, stories the at the top of the yeah, page, yeah, yeah, yeah. so people mm-hmm. can go back to. I think that works really well. Um, I guess some of that is also just like layering and using Instagram to its fullest as well, so that hopefully in the the old algorithm likes what you're yeah. doing as well by the, showing that you're using it completely, and that must count yeah. for something, I think. Yeah. Um, but I guess the next thing that happens as well is I'll often do tours of the site with different people. So it might be other architects, um, students, oh. or occasionally clients, not that often clients, but um, just kind of like once or twice during the build. And it okay. makes me start, it's not really about showing off the project. It's more about me trying to think through and talk through what I've done and experiment in the process of showing someone around a building and then when it's finished I'll do it again um and so you keep doing that over and over again and you after you've done it you know like maybe five five to ten times like this house for example I don't know how many times I've shown people around but (laughs) you become like so good at at moving people through a building to explain it completely um, um, within 10 minutes sort of thing. Like, so I've, I've done Brisbane open house for this one. Yeah. Um, and it kind of trains you how to communicate your project. And then you mm-hmm. can kind of translate that verbal kind of explanation into writing. So I, while the photos are being taken, I'll start writing about the project, my own kind of, kind of like maybe one page, six paragraphs of trying to explain yeah. it succinctly. And then I find by the time you've done that, when it comes around to awards time, you've got this kind of body of words that you've written and explained um, and distilled down in the most succinct form that you can then use for your entries. So it's kind of doing doing the effort in that time while you're waiting for the photos to be taken. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, again, it's just patience and practice, I guess, with that stuff. That's um, awesome. That's really yeah. great. So you do the you do these like site visit tours. Uh, is, is that like with groups, or are you sort of taking individuals through? Because you mentioned a few different types of people that might come through a project during progress, but like oh, there's only probably one or two times that you're doing these tours usually. Yeah, usually one of so there's three or four universities up here, and one of them will usually contact you once a year and say, "Hey, I've got some students doing yeah professional practice or whatever. Can we come yeah. and do a site tour?" And I'll say, "Yeah, great." And we'll just, yeah. I'll choose a project. Um, the architects are usually, there's a few groups of kind of early career architects around my kind of point where we catch up and we talk about stuff. Um, and yeah, we'll get together on a Friday and have a drink and then go visit two or three projects. So that's the other group. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. So, so then you start putting together the words because you've basically, you've, you know, you've had to give the pitch and you've gone, oh, they didn't, they weren't really interested in that part or, oh, they really loved it when I talked about this. So you start picking up on those things and also sort of seeing what people like light up about, right? Like what they really like. That must be super yeah. informative. And often questions about like, why there? did oh. you do X, Y, Z in this particular yeah. location or how does that work? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So you'll get like a question and you're like, oh, they, they want to know about that. That's so they catch you off guard a little bit sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. 
But then you then you you're pretty sweet when you do awards juries, right? Because at least in <laughs> in um in Queensland we have regionals and state awards, um, and they both visit every most projects. Yeah. So um yeah, you've got to be like top of your on your game. top of your spiel awesome. at that point. Awesome. <laughs> so then so then you put your words together, and then that's the. Uh, so we're not even up to photography and video yet, but you've start you've got like your written project description. Mm-hmm. What what are the elements of that? Is that just like the standard sort of few hundred words describing the project, or do you sort of break it down more structured than that? Uh, I guess it changes from project to project. I'll probably start by writing something fairly kind of I guess dry about what what it's doing, pragmatic yep. stuff. Um, and then start kind of layering in some of the more more emotive decisions, I guess, that went on through the project with the client and their, where they've come from and what we're trying to show from their life in the project. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it just comes together from there, you know. I usually right. use them as, it depends on the writer, but sometimes um, magazine, yeah, journalists like to have a base where I've explained things or, and sometimes I actually don't like reading that and want to come and visit the project <laughs> and work it out themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 Cool. So where do you go from there? So you've got, you've got like a pretty good, you know, started off as a just sort of factual summary of the main, you know, features and sort of design thinking of the project. And then you add in the client dimension and the emotional dimension. Cool. And then what do we do with that text from that point? Um, it kind of just sits there and I'll use pieces of it for awards entries or like Instagram yeah. descri- descriptions or um, I'll often do like a, a, a mini version of it as like kind of almost a dot form kind of set of items that get sent to it like a new a website or something to get their interest on whether they want to publish it and say, hey, look, yeah. this, is, this is what the project's about in 10 lines sort of thing. Yeah, because too long didn't read for the longer version. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's that sort of top level summary. So, so are you are you contacting journalists? So you're posting it on Instagram, posting on mm-hmm. social media. You've obviously got the photos at that point, or is this a description that you're weaving into stuff that's like unbuilt, like photos that you've ta- um, you know, un- unfinished photos that you've taken. You know, uh, this is probably. It- yeah, I'm doing this. You know, a month or two before the photos. Um, yeah. Okay. Part of that helps work out what you want to take photos of as well, oh, um, okay. and then that that probably gets rewritten again once the photos are around, and you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like a working working like kind of spiel that changes over time. Every time you yeah, use it, you might slightly add edit it or move things around, and eventually a version ends up on your website. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see with my current website, it's one page. And it's kind of, it's all the photos from this project, um, but a lot of that kind of text that I've written over time. And I actually go in and update it on the website every now and then just when I think, think it of sounds something. crap yeah. and it, yeah, I've got yeah, a better yeah. way of saying it. Yeah. 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 So, it's kind of like a live thing. Okay, cool. So, then so then you get the photos. So, photos come before video for you? Yeah, usually. Yeah. 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 Depends on, okay. depends on the project and the client, whether we've got to kind of do it all in the week. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't want to clean up twice, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. And and with your with your journalist, so you mentioned like magazine online, and then uh, you know broader online, I guess. But you're pretty, mm-hmm. you know, architects get really worried about messing up 
that process? Do I reach out to the wrong people in the wrong order? Um, do I accidentally, you know, pick someone who wanted to publish it, but that ends up preventing me from getting published somewhere else? Like it's all, it's a can be a concerning, complex mess for for a lot of practices. But mm. you make you make it kind of sound fairly simple. But what's your what's your sort of approach to who kind of who comes first, then second, then third, generally? Yeah. So I usually um, I'll talk to a, a print magazine first. Yep. Um, and then let that run its course. And then while, while, while that's kind of going off to print, you know, take six months sort of thing, I'll start talking yeah. to one key website that might get the photos again, but they might get something else. And that's usually the film. Mm. Um, and as kind of, they get a little bit of an exclusive with the film. Like that's why I kind of use the film in a, t- a few different ways. The first is, I guess, to capture more than image more than still images can obviously um because like at the end of the day you get you spend so long on these projects and then you get a day of seeing it finished on at handover <laughs> and then you might get invited back for dinner or come and come back to fix a few things or whatever but you don't get to spend a huge amount of time there so that's why i really like doing the films because i can just sit there at home and watch watch them again and remember the house sort of thing because you're kind of you're handing over your baby at the end of this yeah. two or three year period. It's like having a wedding video. I it's know. Like, it helps you just remember what it was like, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's also good sometimes if you can um, uh, push the video maybe another six months, which is what we did with this house. Um you get to see a whole different type of landscape then another six months on as well, which is uh, quite nice. So, it's sort of, it's even kind of gotten a little bit more of age to it, the landscape yeah. and, and the stuff inside yeah. the house. Do you, just this quick side question, do you kind of, um, do you worry much about like staging and styling when you're shooting and videoing your projects or is it just pretty much whatever furniture and items the clients have? Not so much with the film. With the photos, it's a little bit more rigorous. Like, we'll, it's more a case of stripping back a little bit. Yeah. Um, but try to use what's there um, furniture-wise, yeah. but just maybe, you know, just simplify it a little bit. But with Did the film, guess- I kind of like the idea of it being exactly how it's lived in. Yeah, yeah, because you like those little details, right? Like, it makes the film yeah. feel more real. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So, so with your with your print magazines, I mean... Starting off there, um, am I, I? I don't want to jump the gun and predict kind of which magazine we're talking about. But is there kind of are you considering like a handful of different publications at that point, or are you pretty much locked onto this is the magazine that I think is the best fit for my work? Um, I guess I don't know the answer to that yet. I'm experimenting with these next couple of projects on how I right. approach that. Yep. Um, I tend to, I have a pretty good relationship with the architecture media crew. So, I I generally chat to them first and see if they're interested. That's what I've done so far. Um, I've got uh, the the house at Paddington's in Houses Magazine and then the next one, the Twin Houses, which is a pair of um, low-cost houses out in the suburbs. They're actually going in a... um, Architecture Australia issue. So, there's a little bit of a difference there. The yep. interesting thing about the Architecture Australia one is I, um, other magazines don't kind of, because it's more of an industry 
journal kind of a, a publication. Other magazines are still keen to publish it. Oh, uh, they don't um, consider it like a rivalry or like there's no there's I guess no it's beef. just a bit, yeah, less eyes, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. So, that sure. project then is going to go in another more kind of consumer-focused magazine a yep. bit later in the year. Yeah. Um, with our house here, it was kind of a different story and I don't know how it's going to play out in the future. But with this house, because I got won a Houses Award and then later on uh, Institute Award, that kind of created its own raft of print publishing just about yeah. awards and then it also created more interest with like um uh, a couple of overseas magazines i think um mm-hmm. dwell and then um the is it italian one abater that one they yeah. published yeah. it as well so yeah. i think that this house just got like a lot of publishing and there was like a critical mass of publishing that then everyone kind of was really keen on publishing it and they didn't really care if it had been in something before at that point whereas yeah. i think it's going to be different with other houses that might, you know, that don't win awards that you kind of, you'll only get it in a couple of places realistically. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're happy to sort of patiently wait six months for the, for the magazine. Do you think, so really, I mean, that's a, that's uh that's says something about you think the value of print, print media is still definitely there for you as a practice. Oh, look, mum and dad like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, a reason. <laughs> it, it kind of it, it feels like it bookends a project. Yeah, it's it's it feels tangible. Like we all, to a certain extent, like physical things. Um, the website stuff's really good, but because it never disappears, and that's the reality mm-hmm. of the print stuff. Is it? it ends up on someone's coffee table or in the back of a aeroplane seat and it gets mm. looked at a couple of times but it gets lost in the bin yeah. or it gets lost in a in a bookshelf so that's where the internet stuff's really important as well um, and i guess that would be the the thing that i've learned is that you have to get it everywhere you know there's no mm. and and you will get clients from every little place as well mm. so I decided to put this house on that house website. Um, mm. I've it's been on a raft of like just general websites. It's been in three yep. or four magazines, and I can't really pinpoint exactly where clients come from from all of them. But I feel mm. like it needs it. It hits people at different points across all those things. Like one of the ca- yep. projects I'm doing now was from that putting it on house magazine on house website. Yeah. Um, and they just search for like Highgate Hill architects in the suburb yeah. that they were, you know, and then worked it out. Like it's random. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you learn you have to kind of put it everywhere. Um, and the other one was um, I think I feel like the strategy I want to take is to pace that as well. So let the magazine play itself out, let a website or two play itself out for six months or three months, you know, and then, you know, the second half of the year come along and submit it to a few other places. Like maybe then it's Arc Daily and those kind of places, not actually sending it to everywhere all at once um, mm. and just that? pacing that. Um, I just don't see the value in it being online everywhere 
for one month getting eyes when I could spread the, that viewership out over 12 months, you yeah. know, it's as simple yeah. as kind of spreading it out. Yeah. There's kind of two camps on that because some some people believe that having it be like, you know, a John Elway carpet bomb that just goes all over the industry all at once in two weeks and just everybody's seeing this project all at once is like this, you know, it, it has like an overwhelming effect of brand recognition. Whereas I'm sick of say, that project, go away. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But like, you know, it's like that, oh, you know that project? Yeah, I know that project. Like everybody knows the project is that there's some sort of value to that. But um, but then, you know, you have other people and, and Anthony Martin, when he came on the podcast, he was saying, no, I like to, I like to spread it out as long as I can. So, there's kind of, there's kind of two sides to it. But so, you're in the spread it out, get a few more bites at the, you know, bites at the apple over time, right? And I think you've got to remember that unlike you and I, we're not where we look at all of those different media streams all at once, all the time. Yeah. Other people aren't doing that. They're just they're just choosing one, you know. Yeah. yeah and they're yeah. the people that are going to give you money to build a house or a other sort of building for you, you know. And that's what the mindset yeah. you got to get into. It's not for the industry. It yeah. is to a certain extent for the industry, but like, yeah. Can we talk about the videos? The first yeah. time you made the made the video of Terrarium House with Angela, Angela Leonardi, amazing filmmaker. Um, how did you? How did you end up connecting with Angela to help with that video? Um, friend of a friend, simple as that. Yep. She was studying architecture, and um, a friend suggested she talk to me and just find out about life as an architect. And she came over and we had a chat. And then I found out what she did and. She was keen to make a film. So, yeah, yeah. it worked really well. It did. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting experience for, for her as well because she um, works for the ABC and edits Australian Story. Yeah. So, she doesn't necessarily, like in the old days, she used to make films, but now she's kind of, she edits. And so, yeah. this was a whole thing was, okay, we're going to get back behind the camera, work out what we're doing here. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, it was a a learning experience for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it is what it is because she's like a killer editor. Yeah. Totally. And and ended up making like an iconic sort of like I feel like um, I feel like that video like really was very innovative even though we're only talking a few years ago because I think a lot of videos that are out now are really heavily influenced by that video of Terrarium House, like the approach to the editing. the mu- the sound, like the musical choices, um, like just the choices of shots and the variety of shots were not something that we were seeing like a lot of. And we wanted to we wanted to make a story and not make it about telling the story of the house per se, like with me yep. talking over it. It was more like a story about the day in the life of the house. Yeah. And there's a second film about to come out, which is about the Paddington Three House, where we've done the, the same kind of approach, and it's the story of of the, the owners through the day, um, how they use it. And, um, yeah, I think it works quite well. At the same time, there's that the local project did a film about the Paddington yep. House as well, the one you mentioned before, mm-hmm. and that's got me talking in it, which... Yeah, you're looking was, pretty cool, like pretty nicely shot, like local project Dave, that compliments was, to them. <laughs> that, was 10, uh, that was 10 takes and... Um, you're kidding. The, yeah, he did an amazing yeah. job of making me sound good. <laughs> oh, he made you sound great. Yeah, yeah. No, awesome work. Yeah, so that was a different... So, that's different from the Terrarium House video because there, there's your voice and you and you're being kind of profiled. 
but still there's some real value to that as well because totally. that's probably the first video of you out there, isn't it? Like if I put John Elway into into YouTube or Vimeo or whatever, that, that local project is probably the first time I've got something that can come up, right? Yeah, there's a few dodgy websites that have just done like show reels <laughs> of the still photos, which is like, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the first one. Um, I think I've got a lot of good feedback from it in the last like literally three days where yeah. people are like, it's so good to hear someone talking about the work. Yeah. Like from what the client would like to hear, which is what I was yeah. trying to do with that. Um, Wait, what explain. do you mean for what, what the, like, so sort of, what do you mean by what the client would like to hear? Uh, I was trying to not, not do Archie speak, basically. I was trying yeah. to explain what were the constraints on the site. Like, why is this thing floating above the ground? What, you know, what, what were, there was mozzies, there was all these different things that we were trying to deal with. And I think hopefully that gets across a bit more than. Like sort of practical sort of stuff like yeah. that. What's yeah. an example of something in Paddington House that's like Archie speak that you would otherwise have talked about but decided to cancel out just so we kind of have an example? <laughs> uh, you know, I could have I could have talked a lot of I, and I did actually and they put it in there, but I could have talked a lot of I could have talked a lot about you know the, so you, the you talked a lot of Archie speak. <laughs> through the light coming through the skylight a bit more kind of, you know. Yeah, right. Those okay. sorts of things, which are important to say as well, but it was backed up by the pragmatics. So they, so they, they kind of helped you out, really, in terms of they even filtered a little bit further in terms of getting rid of some of the Archispeak stuff as well. That's yeah, awesome. that was that was an interesting process. They had a whole series of questions, and they gave them to me beforehand, and I kind of mentally prepared a little bit for each of them, and then we just went through and did it ten times, and eventually they got rid of all the ums and the ahs and the yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely going to like steal that list of questions off you. If that's like the standard <laughs> template, boilerplate, how they make. I want to know how the sausage gets made at the local project videos for sure. <laughs> um, is that is that a video project that did they did they approach you or is that something that you kind of commissioned or like how, how did that end up coming to fruition? Yeah, they approached me. So a while ago, I met... Um, the guy who runs it a while ago, Aiden, Aiden yeah. through um, Fisher and Pike or Rep actually because yeah. they were doing a lot of promo with them um, yeah. and, yeah, we just met socially, had a few beers and then any time he's come up to Brisbane, I've just kind of taken him around to projects and shown him things. Um, yeah. So that's I think that's one of the important things that I think is worth doing is trying to build direct relationships with each of these media organizations. Mm. Um, and I've, I've done that with architecture media and, and others as well, where you can, you can chat to them about your projects and in, in between yeah. them, you know, and then they, they get interested that way as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least for our Australian listeners, you know, there really is only like five or six people that you actually need to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty small industry, the architecture yeah. media. Yeah. You know, maybe it's different in America. It's harder to take the editor of like dwell out for a beer, but still. <laughs> um, but that's really interesting. And, you, and you've kind of got the site visit as like the sort of the, the draw card as well, right? Like in terms of invite, you've always got that option. You can invite people to visit a project in progress or a finished one you've also got your house your house is a bit of a john elway architects um you know what are they display home 
<laughs> because because you can bring people around all the time, hey. Uh, Do you ever bring new clients it's to your place down since we've had a kid? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the tours, I love it. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's go back to Angela's video real quickly yeah. because um, it's yeah, it's it's such a great approach, and you you put it sort of front and center on your website straight away. That was the other thing that you did that was kind of unconventional. That obviously your website is just or has been just devoted to, it's like a project page for Terrarium House, but it's your whole website. And then the first thing up the top was the video. So, obviously, that's the thing that you wanted everybody to watch when they first uh, came across your firm and visited your website, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. and that was one of the reasons for doing the film was I, people don't read, right? They they watch mm-hmm. things now. So, um, but giving all the bits on the website that anyone could kind of explore in the way that they like to. So, be it of words, video, pictures, choose what you want to use. And if they land on any of those three, they'll get the message as well. That was the thinking yep. there. Um, the other part of that website was, hey, I've only got one project to put up. So, how do I make one project like uh. work on a, on a website? And um, it's like, well, let's make it kind of like a magazine and make it, give give everything you can about that project and um yeah it, it and the, the idea of the one page website really came from working as a web designer for years and seeing the stats of how many people click through beyond the front page and it's not that yeah. many so it's it's capturing someone as long as you can on a on a page um, yeah. and not making them having to search for stuff and trawl you know so the big yep. the big hustle I've got now is I've got a couple of projects and by the end of the year there'll be about six and I've got to what do I do next? <laughs> That's this is the the question mark what, for the website. What, what do you do next? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> one option is have like one project that you're really kind of talking about, whether it's in print and websites and all that, and make that the one on the the front, and then have a way to delve a little bit deeper. Um, I'm not really, I don't think I'm a fan of having like the kind of grid of, of the a photo of each project or a model of each project and then choosing from there. I think there's got to be, there's got to be a way in between the two, I think. So, yeah. that's what I'm working out is how to show people there's more but giving them a lot on that one page. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you're going to have to use a menu to like keep it not overwhelm them with like lots of options and pages in the middle that they have to mm. go to and then click on. Mm, it's going to be tricky. I think I'm going to have to do both. I think I'm going to have to have a menu because a lot of people will look for a menu, but also have another way that might represent those those projects a little bit further down, like towards the top, but a little bit further down. Two ways to do it. Like, and I think that that's that goes back to the idea of trying to work out how do people consume things and realizing that everyone does it in different ways and giving different options to get to the same the same endpoint yeah mm, that's interesting um, going back to the question about you having that one project at the time um, you did something that I think nine out of ten architects don't which is just go I'm just going to show one project mm-hmm. Um the other nine out of ten architects would have shown every little bit and piece all the way back to their first year of uni, and tried to make it look like a massive, as formidable portfolio as much as they possibly could. So you were probably more brave, <laughs> and went, "I've got the." In my opinion, 
And when I've got this one project, like really in, let's indulge the visitor in it fully as you're sort of suggesting, right? So mm. at any point in time, did you ever think, oh, maybe I should put that thing I did at Jamie's office. Maybe I should put this there. Maybe I should put that there or that that didn't cross your mind. Um, I guess the way I kind of handled that was up the top, there's a, a media kind of menu item. Yeah. And if someone was in that mindset of delving a bit deeper, they'd probably click through there. And then that that has a search of all the projects I've been involved with and gives all those results. And so I thought that's good enough. I'm not I'm not republishing work. It's 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 giving people all that info if they want it to trawl deep yep. in. The second one was, I think you've just you got to put up the work that you want to do. There's no point putting up a bread and butter thing that you're not proud of, because um, that's that's the next job you'll get. So I, I was quite conscious of only only showing what I wanted to do, and I think I'll keep doing that going forward. So there'll be projects I won't put up, but yeah. Does that sound sensible? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It, 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 it absolutely makes sense. I just think it takes like a certain attitude of like not being too concerned with what are people going to think about whether or not I'm sort of like capable and I know what I'm doing and these kinds of doubts that creep into a lot of architects' minds. Like if I've only got one project, they're not going to trust that I'm going to be able to, you know, execute properly on theirs. I hear that all the time. But yeah. you weren't worried about it. You are like, no, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, you've, you can handle that confidence about whether you're capable once they've made contact. Um, but I suppose you've got to get them to make contact. But, yeah, I don't know. You can cut that bit out. That was a bit pausey. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you've said it, I have to. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, not only make a note. Um, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, it's... It's it's kind of interesting. So when you had that first, when you had Terrarium House kind of come out and and it started going through that media cycle over the next you know whatever twelve months, did you did you start to straight away kind of get to like get new clients or new projects that were sort of a direct outcome of how well Terrarium House was doing and being published and winning awards and stuff like that? Like the clients that came after Terrarium House, like where did they where did they kind of discover you? It's it's you mentioned earlier you can't really attribute it anywhere, but it was it definitely a direct result of seeing Terrarium House. Um, and and did they, you know, what were some of the results that you saw there as far as like getting that project out there? Yeah, it was it was definitely a result. Like, um, and otherwise it's nothing. <laughs> I've yeah. got nothing to show. So um, yeah, it was definitely a result. Um, and I guess I probably should. Uh, pry more about where people come from and I I think you can do that maybe later in projects and I should do that with some of the older ones but I don't really ask a lot I don't know why sometimes it feels rude but I should just ask <laughs> so that's a lesson um but um sorry what were you asking me again no no it's okay I'll move on to another sorry, question I'm getting we're in the set no no it's all good um so I'm interested, I am interested to know a little bit more about kind of making the video. You spoke, oh, yeah. making video making in general um, and, and photography as well. There's one aspect to it that I'm interested in, which is that you, you, um, you obviously invest a lot in making these videos, right? Or has it, has it been through kind of more of a favor thing and a relationship thing? I mean, ha- at any point do you kind of go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, you know, $7,000 into making a video? Um, do you, do 
do you kind of in effect have like a pretty big marketing budget as far as creating the content around your projects? Um, yeah, the photos are expensive, definitely. Um, but you only get to do it once. So you just got to do it. Uh, the, the films are more expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, I just feel like it's, it's worth it because I just like, for yourself, it's worth it because otherwise you've got nothing. It's not your house anymore. So I think it's worth spending the money on it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the short answer to your question. Yes, they yeah, cost yeah, a lot yeah. of money. They cost a lot of money, but they're, de- but they're definitely <laughs> but worth they're it. Definitely and, you, worth and, you, it. And, you, and you feel that you absolutely like recoup that investment or you have done so far anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you measure that? I guess it's getting yeah. jobs, isn't it? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not in a position where I'm like, yeah, I've got plenty of work, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's important to say is like I might, I might seem a little bit kind of like don't care about how much work and stuff is coming in and that's because I'm just me. I should probably explain yeah. that. And so the amount of work that you, you need to sustain one person is a hell of a lot less than a group of five and I, that's, a, that's a conscious decision I've made at the moment is that I want to keep it kind of slim and lean and, and not have massive expenses and that's so that at least in, in these kind of startup years, I can say no to a lot of things that aren't quite right and just say yes to the stuff I really want to do. Um, it certainly has its downsides. <laughs> um, yeah. There's points where I'm stressed out of my brain because I can't get enough done. But I think for my personality type, I would be more stressed if I had to worry about multiple people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that kind of explains, yeah, why. Yeah, totally. No, that absolutely yeah. makes sense. Um, do you find that through the way that you, I don't know, the way that you come up with your fees or whatever that you manage to get in a position where you don't need, like you never find yourself going like, oh God, I really need like one, two, three employees to help me finish all this project work. Like there is enough, there's enough kind of margin, I suppose, in what you do that you don't have to like absolutely work yourself to death <laughs> as, a, as a solo architect. Uh I think it's more I try to strike up a relationship with the client that they understand the circumstance going in from the very start and I often do that in my initial email kind of reply when someone makes contact and explain the format and that it might take a while. You could go to other practices that might be a bit faster and that might be better suited for you. Just kind of like lead them into that a bit and also I find if at the moment I'm I'm getting queries and there's a couple of jobs that I'm not starting for six months. And I've found that saying no or saying I can't start for a while actually works fine. People can accept that. Um, Mm. And it's a good kind of primer for the length of what a project is really, you know, like six to 12 months designing and then, you know, probably like another year or so on site. That's a long time. And it immediately eliminates people that want to do X, Y, Z next month sort of thing. Yeah. Which is not the, not the yeah, project. So that works right. Yeah. yeah. So I have a bit of a um, part of part of the whole thing with uh, lots of publishing with this house and awards was the volume of inquiries at some points were quite large. And at the very, I had to learn really quickly how to deal with that. Um, mm. So at first I was like having two hour conversations on the phone with anyone that kind and of made people, contact. A lot of architects do or that. I'm, 
I'm going, you know, you're spending three days, a, like two days a week visiting four people at their homes and all that sort of thing. And I slowly realized that on my own, there was no way I was going to get work done as well. Yeah. Um, so I had to kind of come up with a system to, to filter. Mm. Um, and I think I've, I keep adjusting it all the time, but I think it's at a good place now. So that, that's essentially not putting my phone number on the website mm-hmm. and making it email only. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably going to knock out some people that are like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to hire an architect if they don't have their phone number, but it's like, yeah, oh. but those are always the dickheads anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that just doesn't fit how I work either. The ones like, that just ignore everything on your website and they just like text you going, give me a call like Trevor. <laughs> and you're just like, nah, man, come on. On Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So that's the first filter. The second filter is you, you get an email from them and you can read so much about someone to a certain yeah. extent from what they do or don't explain, mm-hmm. um, whether it's high John or if it's just high and you know it's been sent to 10 other people. Um, mm-hmm. But it gives you enough. You can get in their headspace a little bit and then I have like one or I usually send back one of two or three different templates mm-hmm. um, depending on what that contact was with there'll be more questions and a bit of a story about my size and what I do and all that sort of thing. Um, and often you you won't get a reply at all, right? Mm. So that's kind of eliminated to a certain extent or you'll get like this amazing reply to every question that you've asked and more and you're like, oh, these guys have thought about it, you know, they sound, yeah. they sound fun sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or somewhere in between. And then you can kind of make a call on, oh, okay, I'll have a chat on the phone. Um, and then eventually get to the point we'll send like out a fee guide and that'll usually get rid of a lot of people as well. Um, yeah, so it's kind <laughs> of this process of of giving enough info to either like make people comfortable or scared. Yeah, um, yeah works well. Yeah, exactly. So that filters them down quite a bit before you actually have to do any of those two-hour meetings or those yep. half-day site visits. So, so I can, I'll usually yeah. allocate like an hour on a Friday when my brain's not working anymore to kind of reply to the inquiries of the last week or fortnight, you know, in one hit, try and condense yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so is the long, t- is the, let's say medium term plan, I won't say long term, is the medium term plan still just to stay solo, like sole practitioner? Yeah, solo, but get help when I need it. Okay. Yeah. So, with that, yeah. a couple of the projects on site at the moment, I had um, a friend of mine that I went through uni with helping for about six, six-ish months, um, just doing some documentation. So, just kind of coming in for a window when I needed it. Um, yeah. A couple of projects that I've got going at the moment, I'm, um, I've got a guide doing kind of a measure and base model and stuff like that, yeah. kind of outsourcing the bits that I don't enjoy a hell of a lot. <laughs> so that's my, that's my kind of approach at the moment, but we'll see how yeah. that evolves. Um, yeah, cool. I so, don't know so what happens long-term. On, I might, role, yeah, right, okay. Long-term, I might be like, uh, maybe I'll just go work somewhere in a big firm for a few years. I don't know, like who knows? <laughs> if you burn out or just decide like exactly. I want something a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I, now bringing it back to marketing a little bit, there is often this like decision that you have to make when you start a practice about whether you whether you do promote yourself as the personal brand like John Elway or mm. you promote yourself as like a practice or a company brand. 
And so you went with personal brand and your marketing mm-hmm. is like pretty personal. It feels like it's coming straight from John at his computer or on his phone. Like there's no, it's pretty unfiltered. Um, yeah. Talk me about, talk to me a little bit about that decision. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few a few things went on there. One was um, I wasn't quite sure which way to take that at the start. And so I kind of hedged my bets a little bit and I had I developed the, the kind of John Elway architect brand and then also the Gelway one, which is a kind of a vertical logo and mm-hmm. using those two together in combination in different ways. The thinking there at the time was I can – make a, make a call on whether I want to ramp up like staff wise at the time I was thinking, Oh, I'm getting lots of interest here. Maybe I should put a few people on, but then realize I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so the thinking in my head there was like, well, I, I'd transition to the Gelway brand, which isn't so much my name. And, yeah. and it's easy for someone, a staff member on the yeah. phone to say like when someone rings, you know? Yeah. Um, but over time I've realized I'll probably keep both, but I kind of more emphasize the full name one at the moment and maybe that'll change again. Um, but yeah, I think working as a graphic designer before all this, I realized that you don't have to get this stuff perfect and live with it forever either. People get so stressed about what's my brand, et cetera, et cetera. I've got to live with this for the next 50 years until I sell this business. And the reality is no one's going to buy it. And the second (laughs) one is, you can change it along the way a million times, and, yeah. and everyone does. So yeah, 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 yeah. Don't yeah, stress and that about can, it. and that's on every level, even down to you, like logging into your website. I bet on like a Saturday afternoon and changing some of your text, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just change stuff all the time. It's a it's an evolving thing. Like, how often are you changing that sort of stuff? Like, uh, I'm about to, yeah, yeah. I'm about to change my site signs. I, I emphasize the gel way a lot, and I feel like driving past the sites. It, it doesn't work. I need to go the other direction. So I'm bringing yep. the name forward a bit more. Yeah. Um, you just got to remember that you're always reprinting these things and whatever. It's so like, why the hell not tweak it a bit every time? Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of ever- trying to, it's, a, it's, a, it's perfectionism in that you want to adjust it, but it's anti perfectionism in that you don't yep. care that it's not like that forever. Yeah. Yep. And you don't care that it's not perfect. Like, you're, you know, it's, you know that it could always be it could always be better, and that's yeah. fine. And do you, yeah. you do you enjoy doing that sort of stuff as well? Like, come, that's probably you going back to your roots a little bit, like graphic design style. Like, it must be every so often. Do you, do you kind of do you have fun sort of changing that stuff? And yeah, I love it because I don't have to make your website. Mm. I love it because I don't have to make decisions about someone else's money for like a day. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's exhausting, like making decisions, um, and then all of a sudden you can just like play around and tweak something that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Does it also, for being a personal brand, like I'm a personal brand really, like I'm just Dave, right? And I I sort of, I find that it's cool because I don't really have to like second guess anything that I do. Like if I send an email, I'm just writing an email. If I'm writing something on my website, I'm just writing something on my website. There's no like disassociation of like, ooh, stepping outside of myself. Ooh, how does my business describe itself? Like mm. I'm just being me, right? And that's quite that can be quite liberating from and helps you solve a lot of those issues that people stumble on with like, Oh, what's my brand? What's my message? What's my tone of voice? All that sort of stuff. Um, do you I find feel, it's I the feel same? It's important in the context of at least residential work where you're working really closely 
with probably a couple or a family or you know, a single person, whoever, but yeah. you're, it's a, it becomes a friendship. And yeah. um, I think some architects like to keep it uber professional and very formal. I mean, you've got to do that to a certain extent when you need to, to cover your ass. But I, I find you've got, yeah, if you can develop a friendship and a, that helps with confidence in terms of them trusting you about decisions and that all comes across in how you write emails and, yeah, it's all it all comes together. Yeah, so 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 that's really one of the benefits. So you so basically you're saying that kind of agreeing that the the personal brand is something that helps you to kind of at very early on start establishing more of that friendship type relationship with your clients. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you like interact like on social media? Do you like interact with your clients? Like, do you do you kind of follow them and stuff like that? Even you know before that friendship is established. Uh, no, I'd wait till it had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It depends if there's, if you know, you kind of, by the time you get on site is when that happens. And by then you, you should be pretty, should be pretty, pretty good sweet with point. each other. <laughs> you know, you've had 10 months of arguing. So, yeah. Now I, I'm curious on, on, on social media. I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit about your thoughts on TikTok. Oh, sorry, not TikTok, Twitter, Twitter. We'll put TikTok <laughs> aside. <Yeah. laughs> Can you imagine if I made you do that? Um, Twitter. <laughs> Um, you're on Twitter. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I don't, I don't really tweet, but I'm there. And there's a lot of architectural like discourse and architects like talking on Twitter, particularly in America and the UK. But in Australia, it feels like there's about 10 architects Mm. that are active on Twitter all day, every day. Like what, what's going on there? Like, why hasn't it, why hasn't it caught on amongst, um, Australian, you know, small practice architects the same way Instagram has? 10, is it 10 years ago? Maybe eight years ago? there was actually a lot of architects talking and chatting a hell of a lot. Um, But it got really quiet. People, I think what happened is people moved to Instagram. Yeah. I think that's all there is to it is that they moved to a more visual medium where the conversations happen below and and it's less because I really just use Twitter now as a consumption kind of scroll, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it definitely doesn't fit into like really any, any part of your marketing plan, right? Like it's, it's more of it's just personal social media. Yeah. yeah. If anything, I should probably just make it private, you know, yep. in case I do say something or retweet <laughs> in something case you do slightly. End up pissing somebody off. <laughs> That's interesting. It's, it's, it's crazy how dominant like Instagram is, right? For, for architecture content. I wonder, do you sort of see that changing at any point? I mean, and how do you feel about Instagram I don't know. now? Should That's I get what it? you did. Should I get a TikTok account? Yeah, I mean, obviously you should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get one. <laughs> like, oh, I, I mean, don't know, maybe it's just that you get slightly older and you're like, I can't handle too many things anymore or <laughs> too many new things. It's like cognitive overload. I can't handle yeah. these new apps I have to figure out. Yeah. yeah but, 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 it, but if you reflect yeah. on that, that's the reason why the Instagram has, I feel, has been successful for me is because I got on it early. So early. Yeah. there's always mm-hmm. that. You you were argument. you had more energy back then, and you were like, <laughs> yes. I can, and your brain was more like, you know, your neurons were firing a little bit more, and you're like, I can figure out this new app. This is I, a two I get year this. old child destroys your neurons, Dave. A hundred percent. You're just exactly. You're too sleep deprived for TikTok now. That's that's your issue. Um, can I ask but, you a question? Yeah, you've you had vanity projects, and you've got yeah. you were saying that you're Dave Sharp. So yeah. 
are those two sitting in combination together like I described for me? I just basically wasted a lot of money on a really expensive domain name and now I'm sticking to my guns. That's basically... Um, <laughs> um, so, I you're know. a patient man. Exactly. No. So, I when I first started out, I was sort of... I, I was doing that same thing where I... I did have a couple of people that worked for me and I thought I was going to go down more of that marketing agency route. And then eventually I realized that I wanted to pursue sort of strategy and advice and and that sort of stuff more than like the execution side of marketing. Like I wasn't as interested in setting up like ads for people and doing things like that. So there isn't really a employee structure there. It's you're just basically a single, you know, a single person. And so then I started realizing, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to build up, you know, my name recognition at all and my brand, I better start being Dave Sharp and being less vanity projects because no one's really going to associate that with me. And it's going to mean that I have to kind of talk like a company and those sorts of things. So yeah. it's a little bit of a leftover thing because I think I went through a similar stage to you really where it's like I wasn't exactly sure what road I was going to go down in terms of where I was going to end up and I was sort of hedging my bets a little bit. Um, but then I've ended up in this direction too. But I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go to davesharp.com.au or something like that, although I've bought it. But, um, but yeah, I, I probably would How many domain names do you own? Oh, not that many, actually. I, I let <laughs> them all hoarder. go. I, I was hoarding, but I did a bit of a Marie Kondo and just kind of got rid of none of them were sparking joy <laughs> or whatever. So I've, I basically have got vanity projects. I've got davesharp.com.com.au and a couple of other things. But yeah, um, yeah, you're hoarding domain names. What for? <laughs> are you going to start a side business of some sort? Or are you just like sitting on domains? I, I own a couple of weird ones. Like I own Gel Hotel because I always wanted to have a hotel. <laughs> That's a cool, that would be a cool self-started project. Do you ever actually on that, do you ever think about branching outside of residential? Like, or, you know, do you have any sort of aspirations to do other kinds of work or is, is, is residential where you're pretty stoked at the moment? I, I didn't. And the reason, the reason was because when I was a graphic designer, all my, all the clients were kind of commercial or developers, kind of that kind of committee size client. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the intimacy of, of an owner. Um, but in saying that I got asked to do a coffee roastery a few months ago and I'm just starting that project now. Okay. Um, and I've done it essentially just to try something different. Um, yeah. and they were lovely people and it's the place that I walk past all the time. So, yeah, right. um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. It was so a challenge a little bit. Yeah. 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 Doing it is kind of a challenge. That's cool. I would um, like to like long-term do some of my own projects like I think every single architect does um, and that might be more multi-res like a six-pack of units that sort of scale um, yeah but one has to work hard and make money before that can happen <laughs> before you can become <laughs> architect and developer John Elway yes. <laughs> yeah awesome um, I, I, I wanted to kind of get go back to Instagram for a second just because I kind of touched on it there and I, I do really want to get your th- thoughts on you know where you sort of see that, where you sort of see that platform going, and like yeah, the feeling out there is, I think that it's kind of, you know, maybe dropped off a little bit. Um, is that something that you've? Is that is what, what's your current sort of thoughts on I, the, the state I of think, play for Instagram? I think I look at it as a habit, as a lot of these things are. Um, I feel a bit exhausted by the content. I have a rule where I can't follow more than nine hundred ninety nine people. That's my <laughs> That's a I'm lot always, still. 
It's still a lot, but I, yeah, it is still a lot, but I, I'm always adding and then I'm always, for everyone I add, I've got to subtract. So yeah. that's a little personal rule. Maybe I should bring yeah. it back to like 666 or I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I, I think as time's gone on, I feel pressure about what I post and that mm. kind of sucks. So, that's actually built over time. So, sometimes people start off with lots of pressure and then it sort of dissipates as they get more comfortable posting and things like that. But you find that it's starting to like actually increase. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. It's more because I guess my, the amount of time I have to do it is decreasing because of busyness at work and home. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the old days, life was freer and you could just take photos <laughs> and put it up, right? Um, but... I, at one point, you go through, you put something up and you start to notice people dropping off too and you don't want to get into that cycle of thinking too much about that and yeah. I've written that off and I don't, it doesn't worry me anymore. Because you mean what people I'm kind of, following? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What mm -hmm. I've got comfortable with there is if they're not, like this is what I'm putting up and what I do, if they're not like a valued kind of person that cares, then be gone sort of thing, yeah. you know, like it just don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think that there are many people that probably do stress about that, and I would say don't stress about it. Yeah, yeah, but that's definitely a factor that you sort of. Oh, it's interesting. So, does that mean that you're kind of slowing down your posting? I mean, the time side, but also some of your sort of nerves around uh, people kind of not responding as well to the content or whatever if they're unfollowing or some people are unfollowing. But do you find you've gotten uh, into a pattern of posting a lot less often these days? just in general and is it still kind of is it still sort of do you think like you're still being kind of effective on Instagram or, or what sort of what what role does it actually play for you at this point I think all of these types of tools you have to think about them as what it does for you personally people when you publish things see the the nice shiny finished photo but I think there's a lot of people that want to come to you and want to see how you get there and they can do that by looking back through your Instagram. The other one is there's probably a lot of people that follow you that follow you because they would probably like to use you sometime in the future. So you've got to remind them that you still exist and that's where at least posting every fortnight, probably more would be good, but it reminds people that you still exist and that you're busy and you're doing things. And also I guess probably in the industry as well. And you've got to keep it, you've got to keep that in the back of your mind as well. Like, you know, your peers are the people that are the ones that um, look at your projects in awards and different things like that. So there's there's many audiences for that that those photos and content as well. Um, yeah. I think I think I probably need to post more, but no one ever wants to set up a rule about how you do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, I'm actually putting up finished photos of the Paddington house and I've been putting up one per day around about kind of dinner time and I find that that time of day is the best for, for eyes. Yeah, um, yeah it's, I always find it's, it's a little bit nerve-wracking putting up finished photos of a project when the rest of the Instagram is not that. It kind mm. of, it feels weird to put up finished stuff. And then it's like, how do you put them up? You've got a lot to show. Um, do you put them all up in one kind of flick through slide or do you put them all up in one night or do you drag them out a little bit? And I don't know quite what the right amount there is. 
with this project, I'm trying putting them up one a night, but actually doing a little bit more effort of explaining some of the decisions in why the photo, what's in the photo is there, which I haven't done before. I've always been a little bit lazy with my descriptions. Um, and I've been getting good feedback about that. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see how so, we go. So do you feel like that's probably a good way to approach it? So what individual yeah, I was trying so not to make images, it yeah. super archy speaky yeah. or yeah, I was trying to not make it waffly, but just make it something that someone would read and start to understand like why is there a bit of glass there why is why does that patio step down you know stuff that's not obvious it's obvious yeah, but it's not obvious yeah what is, i'm always interested to kind of you know think about what do people respond to when we talk about architecture or we describe it and you sort of touched on this idea that it's some of these i guess it's explaining the obvious non-obvious design decisions and what the what the practical, I guess, effects of those choices are. I mean, how would you describe it? I mean, you, you, you're the one that does it all day. Um, you, you have an awareness of what sort of things do I want to sort of tease out and what stuff to focus on. It's what would you call those things, the things that you end up describing, like those little details? Uh, it's probably pragmatic stuff is the real word. Yeah. I don't, for me at least. I mean, that's where 90, 90% of my design decisions are about solving problems and it's like if there's no problems, it's terrible because I want problems to be able to fix, right? Problems, and, yeah, um, yeah. I just find if you can solve problems in a nice way, it all comes together rather than starting with trying to make a beautiful thing at the, at the very beginning. And yeah. I mean, probably most, pro, most architects are doing that, but that's what I'm trying to do in those explanations, I guess, which might yeah, so, so are not obvious. Let's, if we took your most like recent explanation, I'll just see if I can like... I'll know, go the quickly. second uh, Yeah, I don't know which one. That was the weakest. <laughs> I'll go the middle. Nah, uh, you choose. <laughs> well, let's, let's say like we've got the living area bridging between bedrooms at each end or something like that. So, you've got, yeah. you've got an example there um, talking about the dark materials and, and focusing on the landscape and these sorts of things. Like what would you say is like the... the the problem there i mean if we're talking about it through like a problem solution kind of framework i mean what what factors are you kind of breaking down in a post like that or being a mindful of that you're like hey i know this is in the photo but like what draws your mind as that person who has to explain the project what what do you sort of gravitate uh, towards? i guess i guess from the because because images are always framed right and you can't see beyond them you can't see some of those things. So it might not be immediately apparent that the bedrooms are at each end of that space or that yep. we're using a dark palette here for different reasons and not doing it in other places. It's just kind of trying to like spell it out if you're a reader, that mm. reading type of person. That's um, so interesting. In that particular house, the reason why it does have all those dark materials and so forth is because that was the only room we could afford to do that in the rest is plasterboard because it was cheap you know i yeah. i feel like maybe some of those things i i probably could go down the path of saying that sort of a thing but it's a little bit maybe too <laughs> too explicit <laughs> too explicit <laughs> you gotta like you know at least make it sound yeah inspiring like, yeah, in some uh, level yeah, yeah. beyond that money sort of yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, most of these decisions are about money. <laughs> but that's an interesting reminder, I think, in terms of thinking about like what 
what is what can I see in this photo that relates to things that I can't see? <laughs> it's yeah. it's sort of like part of it, right? Like how how does this connect to the space around it? What's in the background? What's behind that wall that that I know about that they don't know about? So you're actually sort of in some ways filling in some of the gaps or yeah. and a gap a gap could be like something about the client that I can't see in the photo, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's always about what's well, it's not maybe not always about it, but I, I sort of think it's sort of kind of tangible to think about this idea of like th- as a way of possible or as like a practice of explaining individual images or even maybe a project is talking about like what can't be seen here. It's not just about relaying what I can already see in the photo, right? Yeah. Because a real common mistake to make a really boring caption would be like, we've chosen brown timber. And we've chosen these tables and chairs. And then yeah. we have also chosen this ceiling fan. <laughs> you know, like that'd be like, oh, So, if you, cool, if cool. you like wind, wind one post back or so, there's about talking about why is the house elevated off the ground. And it was yep. because of floodwaters and stuff like that. So, what's really interesting is a lot of the YouTube comments on the film are all about, oh, this house reminds me of a um, kind of a Malay house. Oh, by the way, the clients are from Penang. Right, so they've in their heads pieced together that these clients are from Malaysia. Therefore, I've gone and found a Malaysian house and put it in Brisbane. But that's yeah. not what I've done at all. It's <laughs> it's for a million other reasons. Like Queenslanders are on posts; they're elevated off the ground because the yeah. terrain and the water flow and all those sorts of things it just happens that they're similar qualities as as probably Malaysia as well, which is why they do it there. Um, so that's why I'm spelling those kind of things out and relating it to what's going on in the suburb and, you know, it's not just putting a house in the air for the sake of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. And so, so you've got, you're covering it from sort of a lot of angles. You've got the videos which give me like a real feel of the story of living there and what it's like to be there in, not in words. We've got the images that like give me this really strong aesthetic and then we've got the words that explain the sort of the, the, the the details that just aren't visible than just the sort of invisible details of the project so by you know getting all three of those together like via your homepage for example i should have a with pretty a good understanding the of the with yeah. a plan on the end and also the process that went into it you're being like extremely comprehensive in terms of like let me tell you quite a lot about this project right yeah and 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 the effect of that is that i'm guessing the people that come to your studio to work with you feel they feel like they've yeah or even people that you take on a tour they probably feel like they've been there before already right even if they haven't do you do you ever get that kind of sense of familiarity from people that you've like new clients you've not met them before or um they just feel like they're not strangers is that kind of i i sometimes imagine that that must be the result when you put out content like this that when you invest in stuff like these videos that the end result is that you get this crazy sense of you know, familiarity from people that, 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 that come in to work with you. Is that, is that, does that happen, that sort of thing? Yeah, I guess to a certain extent. A lot of people, I usually have the first face-to-face meeting in the house here at the dining table um, the, the, for the a display few different reasons. Working wonderfully. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, there's reasons about like showing people like that a small house can feel big and all that sort of thing. But the other one is that they're probably familiar with it and when they come here, they feel comfortable and a lot of people always say they think it's a different scale in real life to the photos mm-hmm. and so forth, which I always find quite interesting. So that Bigger just shows you that what you what you show in the photo 
can be really different. Yeah. Wait. What do you mean? So, so people, so the the sort of the scale of the project can be a little bit deceptive, kind of in a way through through the photography and the video. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think some people, because there's quite a lot of really wide shots of this downstairs area, they think it's yeah. a lot longer than it is. Yeah. Um, and no one can quite understand the void through the middle because it's just, it's really hard to photograph. Yeah. And that's where the, the films take, you know, help with that a little bit. Yeah. But it's really only the, the actual seeing it in real life with every piece of architecture that you actually like it or don't like it. Yeah. 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 So I would like looking at the kind of the top level of your marketing, um, it's obvious that the media is like massively important for you. It plays like a really, really big role in getting your projects out there. Um, awards are something that you've mentioned a few times. You you place a fair bit of importance on the awards as well as a as a as a sort of a way of promoting your work and, and that sort of thing. Is yeah, that, I think it's that- helpful for like it's helpful for getting more publishing is what I think it's the best thing for. Right. Um yeah, well, well, these are good questions to ask again in a few years too when I've had more than one project through that whole process. Like I've got yep. a few being published now and a couple more later in the year and how are they going to pan out through all of those different permutations? I don't know, but yeah, that would be good follow-up at some point. But it seemed yep. like the right thing with the first project, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got this sort of supplementary process thing with Instagram and also the finished photos and also keeping top of mind with people who have kind of like bookmarked your firm in a way. Like you were kind of describing the idea that they've thought about, oh, cool, maybe I'll work with John at some point in the future, but I'll follow him as a way of just like saving that for later. Um, And then that's basically it, right? Those are kind of the three pillars of your marketing. Well, you've got your website as well, right? And then there's a fourth one we haven't talked about. What's that? It's the most important one. What is it? I was wondering how we'd get to it. <laughs> TikTok? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, um, I think if you're going to spend time and money, the most important place to spend it is not on any of these things. It's going to site more and making sure what you want built gets built how you want to get it built. Like that's yeah. the fundamental number one way because – it creates other content, obviously, the Instagram and all that being on site. But if you want a good project, you've got to be there and you've got to keep communicating with the builders and develop that relationship as much as the client one. And that's the biggest thing for me. So I'll go I'll go to site like at least once a week for every project, if not more than once. It, it takes up a huge amount of time, but it's the place that I enjoy the most. It's my colleagues as well in a way like they're they're my studio and my crew so i yeah um and the more of a relationship you can develop there to get them to build what you want built and not change it (laughs) that equals good projects which equals all the rest of it that's that's my two cents (laughs) 100 percent no i'm i want to know i mean you've saved it till the very end Um, i want to know more about I mean, that's probably something you feel so strongly about. But I love that idea of, you know, I tend not to talk too much on the podcast about, obviously, I have guests on that do like amazing work and and they do really, really amazing work. And that's why I want to have them on the podcast. But like, I don't spend a lot of time talking about, and I kind of avoid this subject of like, how do you do amazing work? Because yeah. I don't think that's really what this podcast is about. And yeah. I think it goes into kind of a bit of a territory of like, 
I don't know. I just don't. I just don't want to go there because I think there's so much. Um, so much of people's identity is wrapped up in whether or not they 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 are doing good work, or there's so many other factors involved, right? But um, but you just spoke to something that I think is so so kind of crucial. Like that's like a really interesting perspective on it about how do you do good. There's like a particular stage that you think the good work it, the good work from B like there's a potential in the work, and yeah. then. We've got to make sure that we get to that yeah. potential. And if I don't go to site and I don't do that stuff and I'm not involved and I don't develop those relationships with the builders, there's a real chance that, you know, it's not going to live up to what it should have been. Exactly. And that's and so that's yeah. the thing. And that's that's where you think like that's integral to making sure that it it, it gets that stage the way that you want it to. Absolutely. And you can to a certain extent, if someone something doesn't go quite right on site, you can fudge it in a photo. Mm. A bit less hard to fudge in a film even really hard to fudge with a jury visiting and pretty hard to fudge for the person living there, liking the project and wanting to yeah. tell other people about it and bring their friends <laughs> and over their and friends seeing over it. And yeah, yeah, all yeah. of that. So it's, yeah, it's the effort there is really important. And I think there's a lot of, there's, there's people I know that like to hide behind the computer and do more yeah. drawings and send more emails and all those sorts of things. But I think, yeah, just, go out more. <laughs> so interesting because like I, you know, I, I studied architecture and I did stuff in like in small practices a little bit while I was studying and afterwards, but I didn't spend like that much time on site because the practices I was with like went to site, but not, not once a week. Right. So I'm not as, I'm not as like smart when it comes to thinking about the ways that you would as an architect and the, and the audience will be like, oh, Dave, you don't know anything here. But like as far as influencing that process when you're on site, like do you, do you, do you feel like you've got like quite a big influence when you're turning up on site and you're, and you're kind of studying what's been happening and the changes since you were last there and like what are some of the different roles that you play when you're there and in your relationship with the builder that you think bring the most um, bang for your buck out of being on site uh, as far as influencing the quality of the, of the outcome? Um, I guess the first one is saying to them that you want to be contacted, um, and that you're, that they shouldn't be afraid to ask you questions, particularly with a new builder. Um, and then you start, you have to back that up by like when they ring you, chat to them, let them, you know, work through and then go visit if you need to, that sort of thing that can bite you in the butt later on in the project when it's, you know. 10 months in and you're getting a phone call all the time. But I think you can start to manage that as you go along as well and start to introduce that it's once a week or once a fortnight and get them used to that. But at the very start, you have said to them, hey, I'm here. I'm he I'm like, I'm here to help you. <laughs> I'm yeah. not here to be a burden. Um, th there's that. Um, and I think it's all about just like you've spent 10 months developing trust with the with the client, you need to spend like the first month developing trust with the builder and keep that going through the whole way. Like that's, yeah. If if there was if there was the two the two other parties in the relationship, the builder and the client, who, if you don't like, who presents the biggest risk? If you if you sort of are withdrawn from those relationships and you're hiding behind the computer, like what's more what's more is one more critical than the other one more one phase more critical than, than the other for stuff to go wrong that can sabotage the project like 
is it the construction phase or is it like the design phase in your mind? Definitely like, the construction. That's so interesting. I would have always assumed yeah. it would be like like client issues during the design phase would be the big compromiser of a final project, but 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 like no construction. That's interesting. Yeah, I and maybe it's Queensland and it's it's less like this in in Victoria. Like maybe yeah, it might it might be our budgets up here are a bit lower, um, and the level of of um, available builders that do really great work is less or I don't know what it is but there seems to be a lot more room to move up here with a set of drawings um, and I find you have to manage that by on-site um, what you draw yeah. you don't necessarily get and that's probably that might be the same down south as well but yeah um, yeah or so in other countries so you, you just need to be like really on that quality control of yeah. of oh, right okay but also, yeah, also like there is the person that can solve problems for them. Like they're like every single corner they come to, they've got a new problem they've got to solve. And it's probably very unlikely you've drawn it because <laughs> you can only do so many drawings. And just to be there as their kind of helper to solve those problems and then be comfortable with that equals a good, good outcome and something you can take good photographs of and a client that enjoys living there and all of the rest and a good project to, to promote. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. We're kind of like ending up sort of where we started in, in <laughs> your sort of opening, your opening gambit was, you know, look, I really just don't think you have to do that much marketing to be effective at marketing. <laughs> like when it comes down to, when it comes down to the, um, it starts with the building. It then goes into the, the investment, the heavy investment in the photography and the video, um, all that really important stuff and it's not so much what you do after that as much with you, with your practice. Yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to – I don't think you have to over-strategize about it and overthink yeah. it. Just yeah. do good work. The content will be there um, and people will be interested. Can I quickly hopefully. get your take on like <laughs> – because, you know, in in the world of like marketing and business and stuff, like people, people like sort of frown upon or it's become like – whatever, this idea of like when you do have what you might call like a build it and they will come mentality, like there's a lot of people in, and maybe it's due to self-interest or whatever, but in the marketing space, in the business space that will say like, ah, oh, that's a flawed, you know, that's a flawed way of looking at it, build it and they will come. Um, you need to be so more, much more like strategic in terms of what you do and you need a more complicated strategy and you need to do all these other things, right? But, you know. That's probably true for different types of building, but like. I think yeah. in 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 residential work, there's enough there's enough people that live in enough houses and enough and a very small amount of architects relative to that that there's a big group of people and your what you do in particular will stand out for someone in that group, and then on the next layer of if your practice is small like mine is, that it's okay you're gonna you're gonna have enough work you know what I mean. If yeah. I had if I had fifteen people, but I, it's a different whole different kettle of fish. You'd have totally. to be more strategic. You'd totally. have to I've, schedule I've, all this stuff, and that's not what I do. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always very conscious of this idea that I or the thing that I've noticed with with architects that I meet is that the ones that are doing really good work, it's not because they're like. It's, they don't have some special gift, right? <laughs> or they might, but like they're, they're not necessarily a lot better, but they've created an, in, they've been conscious about creating an environment that will allow them to do better work, mm. right? 
that's like about the clients you pick, the builders you work with, um, not being too big, not having more employees than you can handle, being patient, not not having this like undue amount of pressure on yourself. Like, would you agree with that? You've got to cre- you've got to cre- curate the type of of business that you want to operate, right? And that involves just like the branding, experimenting with things and trying options until you till you settle on it. And I don't think I'm fully there yet either. Like I, yeah, I I need need to work out how I can have more help at certain times. And I'm trying. I've tried one strategy, and I'm about to try another with someone that I get to do base work for me. But um, I guess like Nick, Nick that you had on a few weeks yeah. ago, he's he's worked that out now. He outsources lots of different parts of his projects, which is working for him. And that's taken quite a few years for him to get to that point. So, yeah. 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 That's interesting. John, thank you so much for coming on and uh, discussing 35,000 different marketing topics with me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I hope it was um, interesting. Thank you. Well, that was my conversation with John Elway. If you'd like to learn more about John, you can visit Jellway, that's J-A-L-L-W-A-Y.com or follow him on Instagram at Jellway. If this is your first time listening to this podcast and you enjoyed listening to the conversation, please make sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every other week. It means that you can hear those future episodes, but it also helps other architects to find the show and I really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about me, Dave Sharp, you can visit vanityprojects.com to check out my blog, join over 5,000 other architects on my email list, or learn more about my marketing coaching services. That's all for this episode, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.